Hello, welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Moneres, and I'm super excited to be here with you today for the third episode where we get to talk with Marianna Brunkhorst. Marianna is a child of the Rocky Mountains who carries their inspiration, resilience, and strength with her in her every endeavor. She's a teacher, writer, dancer, explorer, lifelong learner, and veteran. She talks with us today about the power of journaling. And although her journal has been an ever-present friend accompanying her through unexpected loss, seasons of change, and life adventures, she discovered the full potential of its healing and visioning power after being introduced to guided journaling techniques. So she talks to us about those techniques and how her journal has helped her throughout her growth process. She's now a certified journal to the self instructor, and she's excited to share her skill set with others to facilitate personal growth, self understanding, dynamic living, and healing. So sit back, friends, take a listen. We are going to discuss the healing power of our truth, writing it down, and give you some new tools for your growth toolbox. Here we go. Welcome, Mariana. I'm so excited to have you today. I was thinking before we got on here about uh, when I met you, and we don't know each other super well, but I remember when I did meet you a few weeks ago at the women's gathering, which was awesome. Uh, you got up and you talked about what you do, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to connect with this woman. <laughs> so just like an instant draw to you for sure, because I think what you do is super important and helpful, but also I think the story behind it, which I don't know a ton about your story yet. However, I will get to know you today along with all the listeners. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So do you want to start out just by telling us a little bit about you, um, what you do, kind of how you got started in this area? Sure. Um, so I have been a lifelong journaler. Um, when I was 16, one of my mentors gave me a journal and said, write when you feel like it, which was not a lot of guidance, but um, I did. And so it's been really fun. I've kept journals through a lot of different phases in my life. Um, mm -hmm. I spent seven years in the military, traveling around the world, flying as a C-130 navigator. Um, and so You were, hang on, you gotta say that again. You were a what? I was uh, a C-130 navigator. What does that mean? I was flying on C-130s, which are cargo planes, smallish cargo planes, and I was in charge of telling the pilots where to go and making sure we got there on time and if we were dropping things out of the back to make sure that they got on target. So Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's super exciting. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was definitely an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'll limit my response to that. 
<laughs> it does sound very adventurous. So you did that for seven years? I did. I did for seven years. I was glad I did it. I was also glad I got out when I did. Um, after I got out, I went back to grad school and totally switched gears to teach English as a second language, um, carrying my journal with me the whole time. I also um, got married, and very shortly after getting married, my husband passed away from a brain tumor. Mm -hmm. So during that time, my journal became my confidant. My journal became my way of still connecting with him, even though he was gone. And it became my way of processing and kind of healing through a lot of that. Um, mm -hmm. The family are wonderful. They try their best, but some things they just can't fully understand or they don't want to hear. Um, mm -hmm. So I grew to really depend on my journal for a lot of the help with that. Mm -hmm. um, Fast forward a few years, I took a creative writing certificate, and one of the classes I took was writing and healing, which was just phenomenal, and it actually gave some guided journaling techniques, um, which was much more than my mentors, hey, write when you feel like it, which helped right. a lot kind of take it to the next level, um, and so I loved that. I love the idea of being able to find a way to use journaling and share what I had learned about journaling with other people. And so when um, the opportunity arose to participate in the instructor certification for journal to the self, which is the method of um, journal writing that I'm, I teach, is, mm -hmm. um, I took advantage of it and I'm so glad I did. So what I do now with that is that I teach journal writing workshops. Um, to help other people learn how to heal from journaling um, and just start to have fun with their journal instead of necessarily having to um, always go to a therapist or having to talk to friends or whatever. Um, therapists are wonderful. Friends are great too, but it's nice to always have a backup if it's the middle of the night and there's no one you can call. Type mm, of thing. Yeah, that's huge. And really it's, I kind of see it as like a, a processing like you go into a therapist or you talk to your friend and you're processing for you know a certain amount of time a shorter amount of time the journaling seems like it's more of a processing that's totally up to you and you can dive in as deep as you want or as long as you want or whatever but there's it seems it's just so necessary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. a good way to process on your own. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's surprising how powerful it can be, too, when you take the time to use it, when you actually try some of the different um, ways of approaching it, rather than just, dear diary, today I did. <laughs> right? I think we all, I definitely have one of those. <laughs> dear <laughs> diary. Mine definitely was dear diary. I haven't written here in here in a long time. And <laughs> because I wasn't good at being consistent when I was younger, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's totally okay. There's actually no rules. You don't have to write every single day. I do mm -hmm. find that the more I write, the more power it has. So mm -hmm. I can be more consistent with it. Yeah. So I want to dive more into that and the power in writing things down. But first, I want to go back a little bit because I think, you know, I'm a lover of people's stories uh -huh. and what has brought them to where they are, because I think we all have a story. We all have things that have been challenges, things that we've had to overcome, 
I think it's so beautiful to be able to give people tools to um, work through those things in different ways. And you found an amazing way that has really worked for you. And I think that could work for a lot of other people too. And I want to know just a little more about your story. <laughs> so military, and then you went to college. Did you meet your husband in the military? Did you meet him in college? So I actually did college before I joined the military. Um, oh, okay. So I met my husband in the military. We were stationed together in my last assignment. Um, we went on, gosh, three deployments together. Um, mm. We were in the same squadron and uh, started out just as really great friends and then eventually moved into dating and so on and so forth. So we were together for about four years total um, before he passed. And uh, yeah, it was just one of my best friends, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. He was a pilot in the military. Um, and uh, so we only ever were on the same plane one time. And it was for an air show going up to um, Andrews Air Force Base, which is in Washington, DC. We were dropping a whole bunch of army guys out of the back of our plane for a show for people to attend. And he was my co-pilot. I was the navigator on the flight. I was also the mission commander for the whole thing. So I was wow. absolutely crazy. Always <laughs> extra hours. And he lived not too far from me at the time. This was right before we started dating. Um, and he said, you know what? I'll come pick you up in the morning. I'll take you there. I'll hang out until you're done with everything you need. And I'll take you home so you at least don't have to worry about that. My showtime was two hours prior to his showtime. But he was willing to get up early to come take me in. And that was when I was first like, oh, my gosh. Okay, maybe there's a little bit more to this guy than just a good friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you started dating right after that. Pretty quickly after that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming, and you know what happens when we assume sometimes, so <laughs> you can tell me. <laughs> but um, that the brain tumor was unexpected? It was. It was very unexpected. Um, he, like I said, he was a pilot. We had physicals every year. He deployed multiple times. Everyone said he was fine. Um, he had left the squadron that we were at about six months before I was scheduled to depart. And he was supposed to be learning how to be an instructor pilot which he loved. He was a phenomenal pilot. He loved doing all the crazy turns and everything. He wanted to be a pilot from the time he was a kid. And he started getting sick in the plane every single time he flew, which is not normal, especially not for him. Um, he was living in Texas at the time and he ended up being allergic to about 75% of the allergens in Texas. So he thought it was just allergies. Um, and the squadron there let him kind of believe that. So he started doing allergy treatments and so on. Eventually he wasn't able to fly anymore and he ended up switching to a unmanned aerial vehicle squadron, which is in, um, was in California. By this time I was out of the military. So, um, I moved out to California to go to grad school so I could be with him. And, uh, he, while he was there, he deployed with them for a while cause he was no longer in the plane. So he was able to do it. And then about, gosh, nine months after we got there, he was getting sick every single morning. Like he would wake up, get sick, and then we would, you know, go to urgent care. We went to urgent care multiple times trying to figure out what was wrong. 
Mm -hmm. And the doctors were like, just stay away from the allergens. There's nothing wrong with you. Finally, the people at the base um, did a CAT scan and they told him, hey, there is something wrong with you. You have a tumor in the center of your brain and that's why you're getting sick. So uh, that was a shock for both of us. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was from time of diagnosis until time he passed was nine months. Mm. We tried multiple treatments and things like that. Um, but yeah, nobody expected it. Nobody thought anything like that could happen. But because of where it was located, they couldn't operate on it. So mm. we only had the other options. Wow. That's so hard. I can only imagine. <clears throat> yeah. Making me teary. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. But it's, I mean, it's a testimony too to how quickly things can change. <clears throat> and we kind of go through life sometimes I think on autopilot and just you know kind of wander through and think more the the mundane maybe the I don't know and and then something comes and shakes things up yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a way of surprising us for sure Sometimes good, sometimes hard. <laughs> right. So for you in this time, journaling was, I mean, what, what was it for you? Like your comfort, your way to connect with him, I think you said earlier. Um, so it varied. While we were going through the process of his treatment and everything, trying to keep him alive, um, it was... Uh, I don't know how to say it, a place for me to vent, oftentimes, mm-hmm. a place for me to yell at, you know, yell at God, yell at the universe, whatever, like, I don't understand why this is happening, you know, but it was also a place for me to listen, which sounds weird. Um, sometimes when we give ourselves the space to just write whatever is coming out, um, especially once we use more of the guided techniques, but I didn't know that at the time, like if mm-hmm. we give ourselves just to write, we're oftentimes surprised at what comes. Um, and we can get messages and encouragement that way. So while we were going through the process, it was a lot more of what the heck's happening. How can I deal with this? What do I do now? Um, and so helped in that way after he passed, it changed into, um, like I said, a way of connecting with him. So basically the first year after he died, um, I had a journal that I wrote every entry to Todd, to my husband even though I knew he was gone and he wasn't listening to them, he wasn't going to answer them or anything, but somehow that gave me at least still a lingering connection because he had been my best friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have that suddenly taken from you in addition to all the changes of, okay, what's my role now? What happens next? What happens to all the dreams we had? It was a way for me to talk to him and still you know be connected through the time that it took me to process I mean not that it only took a year I still process a time right it takes a long time but you can move on you know you can heal but so that first year it was very much a means of um of staying connected Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time that that was a technique called unsent letters but that's actually what it is so I've learned a lot more about it after that time, which is kind of cool. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah. Wow. It gives me the goosebumps. I love what you said about, yeah, it's not only a way to express, but, but to listen. That's huge, huge, huge. I mean, especially when you're grieving and there's 
you know, big thing going on. But I think too, in everyday life, like we don't, we don't listen very often. We kind of go through and try and make our way and we don't take the time Mm -hmm. to, yeah, we don't take the time to listen, whether it be in relationships or, but hardly ever to ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you, can you speak a little bit more to that? Like the listening piece? Yeah. So the, the instructor certification I have is called journal to the self, which sounds kind of odd at first, but that's a lot of that is because of where the listening piece comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, So much of life is busy and filled with moving from here to there to something else, engagements with family, with friends, with kids, with jobs, you know, there's always something going on. We can often lose ourselves in the process of just surviving or just getting through the day. So taking time to write, even if it's only for five minutes a night, um, is a way of taking back a little bit of that time and making time to, um, to actually communicate, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, there are many times I've found, um, that when I write, when I put stuff out, especially if I'm using a structure to get through it, if I'm wrestling with a question, you know, trying to make a decision, if um, I'm not sure why I'm so tired, you know, or what's going on with me, just the act of making the five or 10 or 15 or whatever minutes to write um, and letting myself go with it can sometimes bring up things that I didn't realize um, were there. I've found that the the guided techniques of journaling make listening much more effective and get at the point a little bit easier. Like, yes, I got a lot of wisdom out of my free form. What's going on? Why is this awful? What's happening? Da, 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 whatever. But um, it took a long time, you know, to get there. And sometimes we don't have that much time or we've been wrestling with something for a long time and uh, we, we need an answer. We need an answer rather than later. So using some, um, some of the different guided formats, for example, um, a list of 100, a dialogue format, different things like that, it gives us a chance to, to let our subconscious, to let inner wisdom, to let the spirit guide, whatever that is for you, Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, if you're, you know, in some religions, um, to let that speak back to us. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm to really be like oh okay here's the insight that you're looking for and I got it to you a lot faster than the two months that it would have taken you just in I hate my life what's going on type of thing. right yeah yeah it almost reminds me like a, a form of meditation mm-hmm. yeah it yeah it can be and mm-hmm. um, sometimes actually meditation is helpful for journaling um, sometimes when I have time or when I'm teaching, for example, um, I will do an entrance meditation. I'll lead people through kind of picturing in their mind who it is they're talking to or, um, or whatever space it is they need to feel safe enough to let themselves be, be real in writing. Mm. Um, cause we don't always realize how much we filter ourselves. Yeah. And so meditation can definitely be, a you know, a huge help just meditation as a way of, of making space of stopping. Mm. Listen, I think. That's awesome. Makes I I want to do it. (laughs) 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 I'm like, oh, it just sounds so amazing. I mean, you know, 
because in psychology and all of that, it it reminds me of Freud. And I don't know if you've ever um, heard this before, but he has a term called free association, mm-hmm. um, where it's just writing and not filtering yourself and just, I mean, being completely truthful and honest and raw and writing whatever it is that comes to your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is so hard for people and yeah. it's a skill almost you have to learn because we get it ingrained in ourselves that we're supposed to monitor ourselves. We're not supposed to say certain things or feel certain things or so being able to access, I mean, learning to access that, gosh, like it just feels so, so freeing mm-hmm. really. Yeah, it really can be. There's There's been a lot of research done on the power of expressive writing um, mm. and how it does impact that. Um, the woman who created the Journal to the Self um, started as a, a counselor, a social worker, and um, she has now created something called the Center for Journal Therapy. And part of mm. what she does is equipping therapists and counselors, psychologists, with the tools of journal writing as a way of accessing and getting at stuff um, mm. in many different ways. A lot of times there have been studies with veterans um, where metaphor is a way for them to finally unlock their stories, mm. a way for them to share their stories um, without having to be re-traumatized by what they went through mm-hmm. in various situations. So yeah, there's a lot of research on the power of expressive writing and journaling as it relates to psychology. Yeah. That's amazing. It's uh, in my last my interview, I interviewed a woman named Trish Russell. Um, she's also a veteran and does, I'm like, all these amazing women, like <laughs> we just all need to be connected with each other. I love it. <laughs> but it's true. Like having these tools, having different ways to approach things because for some people journaling will help them heal in a completely different way than anything else. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. I, I think too, there's a lot of danger in keeping our thoughts in our brain. And I see it all the time with people. It's kind of like you have this thought this negative thought and when you keep it in your brain it, it snowballs and it gets out of control um, and you build on it and build on it and build on it to to where you're completely convinced that you're terrible or you suck or everybody hates you or whatever it is right nobody um, and then it gets debilitating so you can't go out in public or whatever it affects our daily lives and it all starts from that thought and keeping it in your head because it sounds so believable and true when it's inside of our brain. (laughs) Sometimes when we say it, like if we were to say it to someone else, we realize, Oh my gosh, that just sounds completely out there and off, but people don't have the courage necessarily to say it to somebody else always um it's it seems much more safe to be able to write it down and I've gone back and looked at some of my journals 
that I wrote a long time ago. And it's funny the perspective you have when you go back and read it because I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> like, I can't believe that was like an actual thought in my brain that I really truly believed how terrible I was or whatever, whatever. So there's just so much power in getting it outside of yourself so you can actually examine it. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the techniques that I've used, like I said, was unsent letters, but almost every time I teach it, I have people asking, but isn't it dangerous to put that out into the, out into the world? You know, what if I'm putting all that negative energy out there? Is it going to come back on me? And my answer is always like, yeah, that's a valid concern. But at the same time, if you're holding all of that inside of yourself, aren't you doing damage to yourself? If mm -hmm. it helps you to process it and let it go, there are a lot of rituals you can do around unsent letters around getting that stuff out. Um, for example, burning the paper that you wrote it on. Normally we say, keep your journal entries, you know, but if it's one that you're like, oh my gosh, this is too, too powerful. This is too dangerous. I really don't want this anywhere near me. It's okay to destroy it in whatever way that you feel like um, will help you also then release that negative energy so that you're no longer holding on to it. So it's no longer hurting you or hurting anyone else. Mm, I love that. That's good. Yeah. Because there is kind of a culture. Um, there's kind of a culture right now that says you're, you shouldn't speak anything negative, mm -hmm. but yeah. In my opinion, we all have those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And to say that we don't, like I never have any negative thoughts, so nothing negative is ever going to come out of my mouth, yeah. is just, I think it's completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think part of the power of journaling is that you're acknowledging it, you're letting yourself say whatever it is that needs to be said, but then you can also find a way to to rephrase it, to reframe it, to put a different perspective on it. Mm -hmm. It's a way of acknowledging, but then it can also be a way of, of transforming, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So can you tell, tell us a little bit more about kind of your healing process after your husband passed away? And I, I mean, I know you did the journaling, you went back to school, right? but how it's kind of carried you to now and how, how you're doing now and what you're doing now. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was in school, I was in grad school while my husband was sick. Um, and I was working on a master's in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Um, my time in the military made me fall in love with other cultures and meeting people from different places. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to be able to, to work with people from different countries and to give them a skill that could help them in some way, shape, or form. So um, the people at my college, um, at Middlebury Institute of International Studies in Monterey, my professors and my colleagues were just phenomenal because we found out Todd's diagnosis between my first year and my second year in the program. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so they just went out of their way to help me complete the program anyway. Um, he ended up passing away literally about a week before my final portfolio would have been due. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did not submit, obviously, um, mm -hmm. but they let me walk with my class and I ended up submitting again in December, the year after that. 
So I worked um, in California that summer, continuing to write kind of my way through, but um, also being able to start, you know, a new journey that Todd had been a part of helping me start. Hmm. Um, and uh, I love teaching. I love seeing people make connections, whatever it is I'm teaching, whether it's teaching journal writing, whether it's teaching a language, you know, I was an instructor navigator in the Air Force. I love seeing people get it. But more so than that, I love seeing people connect with each other and build bridges with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and both in journal writing and in language teaching, that's awesome. Um, so I moved back to Colorado because my family was all here. And uh, after I submitted my portfolio, I started working at the University of Denver. Um, and so I still work there. I teach in their English language center. So that's my primary job. But um, Despite how much I love it, despite how much I love working with students, I also wanted something more immediately helpful in healing um, because of the fact that I knew how I desperately need healing, even now sometimes, you know, for different things. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, um, because I work at DU, I have the ability to take classes there, which is great. And so I did a creative writing certificate, which is something I had always wanted to do and played out a little bit, you know, while I was in the military and stuff. Um, and uh, it was fun to finally let myself try that. And I realized that in creative writing, too, there's a lot of power in the stories and the characters that you can form. That can also be a way of working through an issue or something in your life. And it gives you that one step removal of the fact that, hey, this is a fictional character. Like, it's not me. I can make it the best version of me. I can make it the worst version of me. I can make it whatever I want. Um, and I can still wrestle with a lot of the stuff that's going on. Um, so that's one outlet that has kind of helped me heal and process in different ways. And then the the journaling and the the techniques, I find that every time I teach a journal writing workshop, I learn something from the questions that people ask, from the suggestions that they make, and then also from going through the different techniques again and applying them at different phases through my life. Because obviously, I teach a workshop for four or six weeks at a time. The next one isn't until, you know, a month or two or three or however many later. Life mm -hmm. changes during that time. And so it's been really healing for me to continue to see the different stages um, mm -hmm. and putting that out. Self-expression in any way is awesome. Women, like you mentioned, connecting women is so huge. I finally, uh, <laughs> I joined a dance team. So I want to Awesome. <laughs> that their positive energy is just so, so helpful and so encouraging and being able to <clears throat> I never thought I can do, you know, gives me a lot of, you know what, I'm still here. I'm still alive. Life is still worth living. Just, mm. just need to find ways to invest in whatever makes us be present, whatever makes us, you know, feel whole. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of it. So finding, finding people to come alongside, continuing to allow for creativity myself um, and self-expression yeah. has, has helped a lot in many of those areas. Hmm. It's a process, you know, I, it's my husband passed away eight years ago this month. Hmm. And there are still days when I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Where did this come from? I thought I was fine. It's eight years. Come on. Right. But it surprises you, even hmm. if things are great, even when, you know, I have friends who also have lost spouses. And even if they're in completely new relationships, there are still moments where something comes up that reminds them mm -hmm. of the past. And I think part of one thing I've learned in my healing is just to let that be and acknowledge it and 
not judge. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's good. It's just something. And we, mm-hmm. can, we can make beauty out of it. So. Mm, that's so powerful. It's so true. I think that, oh man, I have so many different things I want to say. <laughs> I think that in general, well, the whole grief process in itself, there's a lot of expectations people have around it. And I think you did a beautiful job of just describing and saying that it's different for everybody and it's ongoing. It's not all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's, it's gone. I think it, it's a piece of you always. And in our culture, we're so programmed to do whatever we can to get away from the uncomfortable and the negative negative. I have quotation marks over that Um, (laughs) feelings. They're really not bad. They're not negative. They're uncomfortable and we run from the uncomfortable. And so then people never process those feelings because rather than like you're speaking about being able to sit with it, being able to try and understand it, to process through it, to have this whole process that you can go through. I mean, we're not used to that, but it's so necessary. And people, you know, I really believe that this is a big reason why we have so much depression and anxiety and all of the things that are so prevalent in our world today because people run from their uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. And rather than being able to say, gosh, you know, today is a tough day. This is really tough. And instead of going out and having a beer or uh, I don't know, eating a tub of ice cream or (laughs) (laughs) something right to try and make yourself feel comfortable to be able to sit with it and do the journaling and have those tools to actually work through it rather than run from it I mean I just feel like our society as a whole would be so much healthier and so much more productive in life if they had those tools to work with yeah for sure. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am a huge believer in speaking our truth. And I, ha- I really don't believe that we can heal until we're able to. Yeah. Um, and so for me, obviously, it's become verbal because <laughs> here we are. <laughs> But I would really love to, and and sometimes it's writing. I think for me, writing is pretty therapeutic also. Um, Like you were saying with the creative writing, but this is like a therapeutic way of just processing within yourself, speaking that truth within yourself. And so you don't necessarily have to share it with anybody else. Right. It's for you, and that's part of what can make it so freeing, whether it's art journaling, regular journaling, whatever you want it to be, is if you 
drop the idea of the audience from your mind, it gives you the freedom to be honest and true and raw. Mm. Because there's no one who's going to hear it. There's no one who's going to judge it. <laughs> Gosh, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's just sit with that for a second. <laughs> I'm trying to soak it in. <laughs> it's true. Because even when I write, like, say, a post for uh, Facebook or something like that, I, I still have that picture of who's going to be reading it, who's my audience, who's going to be listening to this. And it is. It is a barrier. Uh-huh. It can become a barrier. How are people going to receive this? Um, you know, I, I did get to a place in my life where I've started actually speaking because I had all of these things in my head for years. And I, my fear of how other people would take it is always what stopped me. Um, so luckily, I've overcome that barrier. But it has taken a lot of work. Um, uh-huh. But I love this idea of just being able to lose that audience altogether and just being truly authentically you. I love um, the name of it. And uh, so it's Journey to You or Journal to You. Journal to the Self. Journal to the Self. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, Kathleen Adams' name for the course that I teach. <laughs> okay. Can, but yes, it's absolutely appropriate. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so once, do you feel like once you're, you've gone through this process, you have these tools, that it's easier then to speak it out loud? Like it's easier to speak it to other people? Yeah. It's funny you asked that. While you were talking, I was listening. I was thinking, I have a blog. I actually have two blogs, but one of my blogs is just for me. And I started it partly as a way to process grief. And um, I wanted to have pictures and other things that I could pull in from it, whether it was things that inspired me, things that made me cry or things that I wrote myself. And it's private. And I think only my sister has access to it other than me. Uh There have been times when I go back and I look at some of those posts and I'm like, you know what? this doesn't necessarily need to stay private. This could be something that could be shared for someone else. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone else will get value out of it. But I had it there first as a way of getting it out there and then I can come back and look at it later and see what vignettes need to be shared from it. So in some ways it's a practice for speaking your truth. And mm-hmm. the more we practice, like anything, the easier it becomes. So whether practicing is writing in a hardbound journal that you can keep and you know hide away somewhere in a locked cupboard or something, or whether practicing is writing on a blog or practicing is whatever it needs to be, you're still practicing. You're still learning to become more familiar with your own truth. And then eventually you can start to see the pearls of wisdom that come from your truth, even if it's hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I can't wait until you make that public. <laughs> nudge, nudge, no. <laughs> well, some of the posts have been cross-listed on my public blog. So there okay. <laughs> nice. Well, so you're going to have to tell us what your public blog is, and <laughs> you will definitely have to share with us if you ever do make that public. But I, I agree that it is, it's something you have to learn Mm -hmm. because we've learned typically, and I know this is true for me. I learned 
for most of my life. Be quiet. Don't tell people what you're thinking. Um, if you do, ugh, people are going to get mad at you. They're going to get upset with you. They're not going to like what you have to say. They're going to belittle you or take what you said and what's your truth in your heart and turn it around and use it against you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an unlearning of all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think people expect, well, one day I should just be able to wake up and speak my truth. Why can't I do that? <laughs> Years of experience telling you not to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I want to know um, how people can find you. I want to know how I can take this course. <laughs> Sounds absolutely amazing. So tell us more about that. I will have the links to you also in the description of our talk here. So if you're listening, you can find it there as well. But why don't you give us a little information on the courses you offer and what that looks like and all of that. Okay. So um, I have two kind of primary types of workshops that I offer. Um, I offer the full Journal to the Self workshop, which is a 12-hour workshop, and it is usually taught over the course of four or six weeks, so either three hours a week or six hours a week. Um, A slight variation on that one is in collaboration with Melody Heishen from Hideaway Art and Craft. We'll do Mm -hmm. an art component as an add-on for the journaling, and so that one runs six weeks, three hours each week. Um, Cool. So those are the long form ones. And those are the ones that I love because they really build community and you get a chance to really get into it, you know, and practice with so many wonderful techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, Second type that I do, um, and is, this is a newer part is I do short form workshops. So two or three hour journal writing workshop events that are usually tailored to a topic. For example, Saturday, I have a two-hour workshop called Journal Fit, which is about using journal writing as a way of enhancing your fitness or hobbies or interests, our fun activities that we do. Mm. Um, So it will be in Inglewood. It's at a fitness studio, Colombo Fitness on Broadway down there. And that one's just a short two hours, very tailored towards a specific use for journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are, so this will air in about two weeks from now. Uh-huh. Okay. So the people listening are not necessarily all local. So these are your local courses, right? Yeah. Okay. Non-local ones as well. Okay. So local, you're in Denver. Denver and Golden. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you, if you're in Denver, Golden, you'll have to, or in the vicinity, I mean, really Northern Colorado, you can even drive down there, especially yeah. if it's for a few hours. I want to have you at one of our meetups teaching women. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later. But um, Okay. And so what are your non-local ones? Um, so non-local, I am in the process of developing an online version of the Journal to the Self workshop. I, it, need to double check with the Center for Journal Therapy and make sure I'm okay to press with it. There are online versions available. I have had people specifically ask for it, and I'm hoping to launch one of those starting in April or May. Um, Awesome. So I will definitely let you know when the next online one is coming. And it would be probably done via Zoom so that you still get that sense of community building and you get a chance to, like, see the people that you're journaling with, you know, and learning. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and part of the beauty of the workshops is what comes from sharing with the people who are also going through the workshop with you. Um, yeah. So I love that aspect of it. I can customize smaller workshops, like I said, for different topics, for different populations. That's the beauty of this is that there's techniques, they're simple, they're easy, but they can be so applicable in so many different ways. And I love the fact of, um, of being able to, to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. what people are most looking for so online is coming stay tuned hopefully yay <laughs> but yeah right now uh there definitely are some shorter local ones happening in denver and golden um, awesome and hopefully online in the next couple months so that's great mm -hmm. that's wonderful so can you give as we kind of close out maybe say somebody's listening and they'd like to get started they'd like to do a workshop maybe with you online but they want to go out and buy their journal today and get started right away. Do you have tips for them, a way they can kind of get started before they actually go through the whole process and, and get more knowledge on the guided piece of it? Sure. Um, I'll try to keep them kind of short. A couple of things. First of all, don't judge. If you write every day, if you write once a month, if you write once a year, that's okay. There's no mm -hmm. For journaling. See, right. I judge myself at the beginning. I know a lot of people do. Oh my gosh, I can't journal because I've tried and I can't do it every day. I suck. No, no, no. It's okay. Write <laughs> when you want. It's a friend. It's like you don't want to feel like you have to talk to your friend every day unless you do want to talk to your friend every day. You'll find the more regularly you do talk to your journal friend, the more power it has. But the second thing that's an easy tip to get started is it doesn't have to be long. That's the second thing a lot of people say is they say, I just don't have time to add one more thing into my life. Give yourself five minutes. Start with a springboard. A springboard is an example of a, a sentence starter or a question starter. Some things might be as simple as what's going on today or today what's going on is da-da-da-da-da. A springboard sentence might be I'm tired because da-da-da-da-da. Okay, so starting a sentence that then gets you writing, there are some lists of them. I'll post a few lists of some springboards on my website to you if people want to play around with those. But give yourself five minutes. Start with a sentence or a question and just write for five minutes. Set a timer, a meditation timer. I like a meditation timer. It plays songs and gongs and meditation. Ooh, I haven't heard of this. It yeah, sounds amazing. <laughs> There's a few of them. Um, and then you know when your time is up and that limits it. And that way you don't have to think, oh, I really want to journal, but I don't have time to journal. It only can take five minutes and you're fine with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are a couple of mini suggestions that I would say for going on. Don't limit yourself. Don't judge. Recognize it doesn't have to take a lot of time and use a sentence or a question to get yourself started. Mm -hmm. So just to clarify the listening piece that we were talking about, is it something you kind of write down what you're listening to, or is it something you maybe have a meditation time after? Like, can you clarify that piece? Um, it can come in different ways. I don't usually do a meditation time after. For me, the listening piece comes in as I'm writing. Some of the techniques that do allow specifically for that space for example, there's a dialogue technique where you, you picture who it is you want to talk to. It can be a person. It can be a part of yourself. It can be something like cancer, for example. 
I did a dialogue with cancer once when I was really angry about it. And what mm -hmm. I would do is I would, you write it like you would write a play script. So I'd write me and then I'd write cancer. And so I'd write my question. I'd write cancer's response or cancer's question for that matter. And then I'd write my response and then cancer's response and you keep it going. And it sounds really weird, but that's one of the easiest ways to listen. Because if you imagine yourself having a conversation, it allows the different parts of yourself to speak or allows for intuition to come in and say, hey, dummy, here's what I've been trying to tell you, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, the listening piece comes in actually writing. There will be times when I will have journaled something and maybe I'll wake up in the middle of the night or I'll have a dream or I'll be thinking about it the next day and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's what came from it. That's what they were talking about or going back and reading through it. So it can come in a lot of different ways. Mm, okay, thank you. That's powerful. I've never even thought of that before. <laughs> really? I mean, having that dialogue, it's, it's amazing. Just yeah. awesome. So I really encourage you all to connect with Mariana. I think this is such a powerful, beautiful way to grow. I mean, that's really the... Um, the premise, the, the goal behind this podcast is to help people speak their truth and, and to grow so they can rise above the, the things that have happened or the hard and the barriers, all of those things. So what an amazing tool that you teach people to be able to do that. So thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've learned so much. <laughs> I'm so glad you gave me the opportunity. It's been fun talking with you as well. Good. I'm glad. Anything else you want to say to our listeners? Let go of the judgment. Just try it. Let it be whatever it is and have fun with it. My gosh, let it be enjoyable too. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. All right. Thank you. <laughs>